remember you movies know. when you would like go into your class in middle school or high school and it would be like we're watching a movie and all that meant to me was I'm any, sleeping. Any, <laughs> any prospect of any video in my class, oh. they just get so like it could be a clip. Like, oh, are we watching a clip? Yeah, like, no, of course. Like, yeah, that hasn't any, changed. Anything. anything. It's, because it's not you talking. Exactly. It's which not, they have to listen to right. 180 Constantly. some days. They see me brutal. so much. Yeah, yeah it's awful. They must Could be you imagine? Sick of me hearing, imagine me talking to you about history every, every day. day. Every day. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Tonight, we are drinking IPAs and talking EPA. Oh, I liked how you did that. You like that? Yeah, that's nice, good. right? That's good. That's Let's good. go. <laughs> <laughs> So a couple weeks have passed. We had our one year anniversary of shows. Nice. Two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. Is Who that, was on? Was it with Troy? It must have been with Troy. Yeah, Troy. Yeah. Great, great one year guest. Yeah, I know. I know. He was awesome. Yeah, but it went unremarked. Um, well, that's because we're not a crazy. bunch of bitches, dude. <laughs> like, what did you want? A box of chocolate? I wanted some something. Flowers? You could have given me something. <laughs> For I forgot sake. our anniversary. You did. Jesus Christ! You did. I got one anniversary, and you owe November. me dinner. <laughs> yeah, I do owe you dinner. I do owe you dinner. We'll go yeah. when you're ready. Mm. Are you still eating meat? I'm born ready, man. Yeah, unless I'm eating with you because you're, you're such, always feeding me non-meat these days. You're such a coward. <laughs> I mean, you are the epitome of a shitty New Year's resolution. Really? You're like you're the problem with that. It's not. No, we've had this like conversation. To prove to myself, I could go it's, thirty little bitch days without. Right. Meat? Who right, cares? Right. Anyone could do that. Oh, really? Go When's the last year? time you did that? I've done it. No, you haven't. You're lying. I don't want to do You're it. Just I lying can. Right I can now. do it. You're at. Oh, yeah, okay. I am lying. <laughs> I am lying. Yeah, I am lying. But the, I'm I lying do it. because I could I just, do it if I wanted to. I just choose not to. Well, yeah, and and like going a month without meat is not that hard. It was really hard for a meat eater. No, you've never done it, so why don't? Okay, why don't you? I've gone two weeks without meat before, and I could have kept going. I just was like, "This is corny. (laughs) Why am I doing this?" Really? Anyway, did you watch the uh, presidential speech last night? I watched parts of it. He was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't he fantastic? Oh my god! I think though, I think that the country is going to get Stockholm syndrome. Does that apply so. to this? Kind of, right? We're kind of where we are captive. Um, so I mean, people are saying, "Not my president." You're kind of held captive, right? I mean, I don't think so. I, I did you see uh, what's his name, Van Van Jones? Van Jones got soft last night, gushing, gushing. He was like teary eyed. Yeah, and he goes, "That was one of the most." I don't know what the fuck he said. He said Most, something uh, about you amazing know, moments in the like, history yeah. of the president. And I'm like, right. what the fuck? Right. No, they always point to a right. soldier right. or the family of sacrifice. That's every time. There was every nothing time. unique about that. Yeah. It was just Trump not being a total dickhead. No, they always trot out they either buy a, man, a man in uniform yep. or the grieving uh, widow. Um, it's crazy. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's. At standard political fare, I, I, th- I think that's why he liked it so much. It was like, oh, he's doing something that I've seen before. There, Man, there's a sort of a, they're easy to a win over. I mean, Trump should should change his game plan. Just point to a couple <laughs> sacrifices <laughs> and fucking and just give him a little applause because, dude, I mean, the the temperature of uh, social media today was like kind of light. I. I think well the the Times headlines and stuff. So even that like that guy who's 
who's parodied all the time on SNL, Glenn Thrush, the New York Times yeah, White yeah, House correspondent, yeah. um, who's like, you know, like kicked out or whatever. He wrote basically a pretty fawning article today. He was like, you know, it's finally at just the right moment, you know, Donald Trump has become presidential or whatever. And if you, you actually listen to what he was saying, it was the same stuff. He just maybe, yeah, okay, he didn't say American carnage It was a little this time. calmer. Well, no, I mean, but the content was still, like, ferocious. It was still... Uh, yeah, but that's what he is. Yeah, no, I know. But, I mean, the, the, the fact that he's, he's not shouting it every two that's seconds. It. He just that's it. That's the only difference. Yeah. Right? So it wasn't really... It was the form, not the content. That's but the it. content is the same. Uh, the, the other thing was I don't know the parts that I watched I had to stop watching because yeah. okay so it's it's a political ritual it's theater it's all stage whatever yeah. right yeah you know they they all get up and clap it is my like distinct honor yeah, Paul yeah. Dushi Ryan right the oh whole the God. whole thing right and it's somehow worse watching when both of the people behind them are you know are on the same party oh god you know I there's know. no opposition in the background it's just know. you know so so that was kind of bad but. So, uh, of course, but it, this happens every time that, you know, these these claps and so on. Trump kept on winking and saying, like, mouthing thank you to people who yeah. were clapping for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like, what is that? He's a winker. He did that. Like, like, I'm a winker, he, too. He did that I about 15 <laughs> times in the 20 minutes that I'm I watched Some of it. us like to wink. It's It was crazy. Can you wink? It was absolutely crazy. Let me see you wink. You can't wink. I can barely wink. Let me see. Do you like a wink? There. Gee, look at his wink. Yeah. You can't wink. You, Thank, you wink you know, with both eyes. Yeah. No, no. I basically, I'm like, I look like a blind man. Oh, my God. You can't, you don't even have the basic <laughs> no. eye function to like no. close one no. eye. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. What you just did. No, it's like, it's like monkeys can yeah, do that. No, not me. Not oh, me. my God. You're yeah. so smart, but I'm, you can't even control your eyes. I'm defective. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I watched it and. Uh, you watched the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. That's a commitment. I, I, I mean, to me, it's like I sit back and watch. Yeah, but, uh, no, I'll I say this. Do that too. Last night, last night, two things, two things made me re- made me really uh, double down on eight years Trump, which is I'm going to stick to it. I'm mm-hmm. doubling down. I'm not going to get talked out of it, and I'm just I'm not happy about that. But that's my prediction. Um, one is that there every single liberal is reposting somebody's from George Bush, right, right, saying you know. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, he's actually got a point. It's like, right. dude, that fucking guy Has tortured so people. so much blood on his hands. Like yeah. thousands of deaths on his yeah. hands. And you yeah. have the audacity, yeah. even if it's sarcastically, which it wasn't. No. It was, it was real. No. Uh, saying, like, like using George fucking Bush as like d- to defend the media. Like, are you out of your mind? It's... It's, like we're normalizing that guy. Honestly, Trump is still better than George Bush. I mean, he's fast tracking to be worse, but George Bush today is still the worst president we've ever had. Right. Trump sounds through. a lot worse, but right. like, you know, and give Trump time. I'm yeah, sure he's going yeah. for it. Yeah, he hasn't invaded anywhere yeah, yet. 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 We're going for it. Uh, but but uh, yeah, yeah. as of today, he's the he's a fucking war criminal. And right. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right. No, I mean, we talked about this before that, Sheep. you know, I... I thought all these people fawning over Obama at the last minute when he's doing, you know, seemingly nice, nicer things. Yeah. Um, it's all about his image and how he wants to be remembered. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, George W. Bush is 70 years old. 
Um, and he's, you know, he wants to, now he's got a, a foil where he can look better and he sees that, right? So, so it's, it's more, again, once again, it's about how is he's going to be historicized. Um, it's outrageous. outrageous. It's literally horrendous mass illegal surveillance. Yes. Torture program, extraordinary rendition, invasion of Iraq, I mean, invasion the, of Afghanistan. The, the creation of Guantanamo Bay, illegal uh, enemy combatants as a legal category as a black hole, all of no these child things. Left yeah, no child left behind. I mean, um, geez, the uh, fucking financial crash, the financial the mortgage crash crisis. at the very end, and then um, and he doesn't drink. Uh, New Orleans, right? Yeah, I mean, Katrina. I mean, Katrina, right? Totally. So all of this. Uh, and no, but he's a good guy. Unbelievable! And, you know, it's, it's it's crazy. Cheap, it's dude. absolutely crazy. No, so eventually you pay a conservative thing is, to say something nice about Obama. The thing is, if you couldn't it, pay him if 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 it if it gets to eight years, Trump. You know, if he lives that long and so on, um, and if he sticks around longer than that, and I mean in life years, I mean. Um, there might be somebody even worse than him. Yeah. And then the, it up. the very same people will be saying, I know. Well, at least Donald Trump, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he Can wasn't so bad. It? He wasn't, you know, he's not as bad as this guy. And, and the liberals wonder why they're losing, right? It's, it's losing. It's, it's, I it's mean, like, it's not even losing. They're getting murdered. No, no. I mean, it's not, they're not even in the game really. So we have so much to talk about. Let's call the guest and tell her we're not having her on. <laughs> Does anyone really care about the EPA? Who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the questions I'm going to ask her. Why does nobody really care? I'll ask her that right? shit. Yeah. Come on, cat. No one cares. <laughs> no one really cares. A bunch of nerds. Yeah. Could you imagine if it's all a hoax? That'd be amazing. <laughs> like, we're going to be older one day and go, I can't believe we fought for that shit. <laughs> all that money, that stupid EPA. Could have been know, going to war. Because those scientists are so wealthy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they're really lording it over all of us. I know. It's like they're fucking scientists. They're, yeah. Oh. Cabal of climate scientists is really running the world. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brutal. I got my eyes set on those new seven planets that they just found. I heard about that. I can that. make myself a nice little ranch that. on one of those yeah. bad boys. Yeah. You know what they're saying about those planets? Like, if you're on one of them, you could see the other one, like, five times bigger than the moon. Like, that's how close oh, they are to wow. each other. That must be kind of freaky. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could plan it hop and it wouldn't take you like five months. <laughs> right. Would, you could do it in like a couple days. Right. Yeah. You're like going to China, except you're going to Mars. Right. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. You would have great wars, like literally. <laughs> you, like attacking play. It'd be Star Wars. Star Wars like, even. Yeah. 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 Legit. yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to be around to see it. It's so sad. <laughs> 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 that sucks. All right. Should we call? Sure. Let's call her. Hello, Cat Joyce. Hey, Cat. Hi, how are you? Good. It's Amit and Tony. Hey. Hi, how are you? We are rocking and rolling That's in right. Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> We're thriving. We're thriving. We're all thriving. Feel yes. great. Feels good. <laughs> Yes. It's Imagine awesome. we just all just like talked about how much we love Trump. Like it just we're gonna do a, the whole podcast. A big reversal. We've we've That's we've been converted. Podcast. We've been converted. Oh my god. So cat um we wanted to talk to you because one thing that has not gotten a lot of focus, as usual, I would well, say. Well usually we would let Kat introduce herself. I'm going to, I'm getting there. Hello, let me let me speak. Let me speak. Okay. Um is 
the environment um, and environmental politics. So we wanted to talk to you because of what you do. So could you just say a couple <laughs> words about what, who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Kat Joyce, and I uh, practice energy and environmental law um, out of a Portland-based law firm, uh, Portland, Maine. Um, I'm the head of the Energy and Environmental Practice Group, and we do a whole variety of things um, related to renewable energy development, as well as um, all types of development and enforcement actions um, under federal and state environmental laws. Okay. So I spend I spend a lot of time paying attention to what's going on with the environment. What's going on with the environment? <laughs> Well, what's going on <laughs> with the environment is uh, is really up in the air in a lot of ways. Uh, nothing's happening immediately. So for, for folks who feel very alarmist about things, um, you know, our, our political system is structured to move slowly. And in this particular area, I anticipate that that will be effective. There's only so much that can be done through executive order when there are so many very specific technical regulations already in place. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, we have a new head of the Federal Environmental Protection Agency who uh, gained notoriety by doing the Environmental Protection Agency. So <laughs> it's, it's a fairly unique it's position. Crazy. Right. I hear over like a dozen times or something like that, right? That he's yeah, uh, he he sued them uh, fourteen times <clears throat> during his six years as AG in uh, in Oklahoma. Nice, wow, nice. And um, Oklahoma, you know, where they get like his, earthquakes from fracking, right? <laughs> that place. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his only agenda. I mean, as AG, he aggressively pursued other things that I tend to maybe unfairly generally categorized as the Christian white ring agenda, uh, right-wing agenda. Um, but the environment was, was clearly at the top of his list. And it's not entirely surprising, uh, given the economy in Oklahoma and how uh, fossil fuel companies play into the economy of the state and uh, their large employers. And as a political appointed, uh, politically elected uh, official, he was uh, very proactively engaged in protecting what he perceived as economic drivers in his state. Okay. So he's, I mean, to a certain extent, he's kind of beholden to, you know, his constituents in a, in a certain way. Um, so just how, I mean, one of the things, you know, that they came out, I think it was on Tuesday that Trump signed an executive order that basically gave direction to the EPA um, about the, I think it's like called like the, the waters of the United the States water act or something yeah. like that. Right. And, um, and I've heard, and I've, from what I've read and it's kind of echoes what you said is that it's really just kind of advice that it has no actual legal force right away. Um, because actually what has to be modified is actual legislation and you can't just do it by fiat. Um, so is that true? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally that's true. So the, the directive uh, is actually kind of interesting. Um, it, nobody actually thinks the clean water rule is particularly interesting, <laughs> but maybe they will now. Um, 
So it's it's technically known as the Waters of the United States rule. Um, it is a fairly technical regulation that's been issued by the, the EPA that was supposed to clarify for the regulated community what waters we're talking about in the Clean Water Act. Okay. So what waters the federal government has jurisdiction over regulating. Um, and it's it's somewhat important because while we can all imagine, you know, a puddle as being quite clearly intrastate, right? That's a, a right. water that's sort of isolated inside of a state and, and maybe should be regulated by, regulated by a state. You know, when you start to learn about how the environment really operates and, and our physical world, it's really hard to say that anything is not connected to everything else. Right. So, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth inside of the regulated community about, you know, well, if a duck is swimming in a tiny little pond and we all acknowledge that that duck has the capacity to fly to a different state, you know, is that water somehow involved in interstate commerce in a way that warrants the federal government regulating it? Hmm. Um, So is this... I mean, it's literally gotten that ridiculous. Right, right. This is the base... So he... he, um, One of his lawsuits and one of the things that he decried... I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of unimaginable even saying it out loud was he was against the cleanup of the Chesapeake Bay um, right. in Maryland, right? <laughs> that, that there's right. this sort of going to be this massive cleanup effort. The best food you know? in the world. Yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, and you would think that would also like help the various, you know, fishing industries that are around there right, too, right. that would keep it clean and so on, whatever. Like even if you're just thinking about dollars and cents. Um, but so he was against that. And the legal argument was that the federal government has no jurisdiction, right? That it's like, that's exactly. a Maryland so issue. this is a really... This is a really interesting fact about Pruitt. So as AG in Oklahoma, he entered an attorney general's office that had an environmental protection unit. He eliminated it. <laughs> awesome. This guy's nuts. <laughs> but so but he his his point in eliminating it, and now that was that was at a state level, right? So his subsequent arguments that the states are supposed to have jurisdiction over this. Uh, gets a little shady when you learn that he eliminated that unit of the AG's office. And, and he felt that that the enforcement of the environmental laws in the state was really the role of what they call the DEQ in Oklahoma, the Department of Environmental Quality. People have Department of Environmental Services, the Department of Environmental Protection, depending on the state. Okay. And, and it really wasn't the AG's job to enforce environmental laws. But what he replaced it with is the more fascinating thing, which was the federalism unit. The federalism unit. What the hell does that mean? So that meant that was a unit that really spent its time suing the federal government (laughs) over just about every regulation, claiming that the federal government was overreaching its jurisdictional bounds and that the states were supposed to have really much more significant power in regulating themselves. So it's the state's rights unit. Exactly. So he sued the federal government over immigration, over the ACA, over Dodd-Frank, over a whole variety of things, including the clean water rule. He wanted to have it declared unconstitutional. Wow. Um, One thing that I've always wondered about and maybe you know 
about this, and I, I don't get it, is how the EPA came about because it's baffling. To, and so my you know speculation from what I know of that historical period is that you get you get like you know Rachel Carson, you know Silent Spring, that becomes a big book. You get the rise of the environmental movement. And Richard Nixon, of all people, creates the EPA in 1970. Amazing. Right? So um, was that just a response to uh, uh, a sort of perceived insurgency uh, by by a bunch of like tree huggers that he didn't like? And he's like, okay, I'm going to appease you. Um, I'm going to create this agency. (laughs) I mean, it it was a really interesting time um, because, you know, to the point that some some folks are making right now, we don't need to do an experiment about what this country looks like unregulated. It wasn't that long ago that what the Cuyahoga, you know, caught on fire. Right. We had issues with smog and asthma and ozone. Right. The Hudson used to catch uh, on fire all the time. Yeah. And so, so we, we sort of know what that looks like, but this was that time frame, right? This was when, um, Congress was continually being pressured because the public had a lot of very obvious, tangible, physical, noticeable things going on in their immediate environment that caused them, rightfully, to believe that their health and safety was <laughs> was in danger. Okay. And so, so it was it was a very interesting time. And this is the you know it was it was really in the fifties and the sixties, right? Because because the first real environmental statute was NEPA. And that statute was actually passed before there was an EPA. What is that one? NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act. Oh, you don't know so Amit? You'll no. Hear, you've never heard of that? I've never heard of that. I have, but go ahead, tell <laughs> Amit. It's the, it's the kind of, it's the statute, I'm sure you've heard of environmental impact statements. Yes. When a, when a so that, that process happens under NEPA. Okay. okay. And so if you're, you're doing something that significantly impacts uh, the human environment, uh, you have to go through a NEPA process and you have to do an environmental assessment. And that environmental assessment either says no problem. We call that a FONSI, a finding of no significant impact, uh, impact or nice. uh, we're not sure. And you do a much more fulsome environmental impact statement to review what the major federal action will do to affect the environment. A Fonzie. So, a Fonzie. Yeah. Is there a you like that, right? Is there a chachi? The Fonz. Oh, we have one of those, too. Uh, um, so that happened in, in 69, okay. and it kind of created the need for a structure in which that uh, policy could be enacted. So the first thing, before EPA, we had a Council on Environmental Quality. Um, and that was essentially solely to implement NEPA. But then you're right, in 1970, Nixon, um, through executive order, interestingly, reorged everything and created this, this, uh, new EPA. So, and that, that was ultimately passed by the House and the Senate, so it's no longer something that was just enacted through an, uh, an EO. Right. The interesting, I mean, I was reading about this over the weekend and just like the environmental movement and 
You know that it's it's kind of a video before uh, or an ad before our time, but it's a famous one that people might know about. Is the 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 Keep America Beautiful program, um, which was like, right. you know, like uh, the Native American, like with the one teardrop coming down his face when he sees all these people like throwing like burning tires into like a ditch, you know, that is right. like, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know, it wait, might, might ring like, some wait, bells. That wasn't that long ago. I feel like I saw that last night. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so I think, I think, Sorry, you know, and, and, and so I was looking into it. It's interesting. So the people who push that program, Philip Morris, Anheuser-Busch, and two oil companies. And the whole thing was, you know, on the face of it, it's supposed to look like like it's all about littering. And the whole point is to make sort of messing up the environment a sort of individual matter, not corporate matter. Right. Right. That it's like, oh, it's an individual choice. Like, don't be a litter bug. Right. But it's not about like, corporations dumping into streams and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Right? No, that was very much a framing. And and frankly, the, the corporate community at that time really thought this was a passing fad. Mm, okay. Right. They didn't they didn't believe that this NEPA and the, the CEQ that just sort of lived inside the executive office of the president was going to have any long-term... Right. Paper tiger. Uh, yeah. And so they were kind of willing to go along with it, but you're right in in sort of classic um, corporate strategy. They reframed it. Yeah, I I thought that was I, I had no idea about that, and I was just like, oh my goodness, that that is the the whole thing <laughs> right. is literally oil companies and and, and literally like but, t- beer beer and tobacco. But in know, their like defense, yes, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, it's effective. We littered. Yeah. <laughs> like my family, we were litterers. Oh. Like I remember my I Listen, everybody God, who grew up in the eighties remembers this. Dude, I remember like we would go to McDonald's with my dad. We're we're it's definitely the eighties. Yes. We finished our shit, boom, right out the window. Out the window. <laughs> out the window. <laughs> like legit. I, my mom actually used to get furious, but we'd be like, get all your stuff, but put it in a in the big McDonald's right. bag it came in and here, throw it out the window. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember that? I was it just my family? No, no, that was that was a norm. <laughs> it was it was especially your family though. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, we were producing a lot of McDonald's bags. Right, right, right. But we were we were straight up litterers. So they probably used all of all of the littering people to be like, "Shame on you! It's you guys too." Maybe, yeah, yeah. They might have taken pictures of your trash. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. it, there was tons. Believe me, you were causing Native Americans. I mean, I don't surprise. litter. Yeah, I don't really litter anymore sometimes i sometimes gum and toothpicks <laughs> toothpicks really <laughs> <laughs> there would okay that's, that's classic that's that's good. let me ask that's you a good. question what's your opinion on tossing a banana peel out the window of a car oh this is a really interesting question <laughs> <laughs> and don't say it disrupts the soil because banana banana trees don't grow in new york no, i just had this conversation it kills owls because what happens, uh, it's right near a road, right. and mice come. And then the owl slip. The peel, and the owl comes to eat the mouse and gets hit by a car. Oh, my goodness. Come on. <laughs> How many owls are getting so hit by bad? cars? Is that real? Look, that is a real thing. Wow. So my banana peels are... Don't are, do it, man. Okay, it's owl bait. Do it. It's effectively gonna... owl bait. Okay. Wow. We need owls because we hate mice. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We had to kill. I hate mice more than I like littering banana peels. 
that's yeah, it's all about priorities. Exactly. Okay, so I have a question. What are your biggest? Uh, I have two questions. One is what are, what what is your biggest challenge in your job today under, under the current administration? And a follow up would be, what do you think their end game is in regards to the EPA? Okay, so um, the first question is super hard, but let me preface my answer by saying that I. Um, now live in a federal regulatory state that's governed by the Trump administration. And I live in a state where the regulatory state is governed by Governor LePage. I don't know if you're familiar nice. with this gentleman. The racist loudmouth scumbag? Right. That guy. Yeah. The guy who painted over the, uh, the uh, WPA uh, artwork from the labor movement? Yeah, he's a brutal dude. So, yeah, we're familiar. Yeah, we know him. <laughs> so... You know, uh, uh, amazingly, we have a truly excellent uh, commissioner of our DEP uh, right now. Um, but it's hard to get support for things like renewable energy projects. And, and it's been really difficult because he ran on a platform of bringing jobs to to the state. And I happen to work in an industry sector where a number of folks wanted to bring jobs to the state uh, in the renewable energy sector. And... For some reason that I, I honestly, I'm not being um, cranky or sarcastic. I, I just can't wrap my head around. He is not a fan. Um, he's very focused on race, which makes sense because we have we have a very high poverty rate here in, in Maine. But um, it's very hard to make long-term plans if um, if we don't have some creative problem solvers. So, so one of the biggest difficulties in my job is that, um, you know, when LePage came on and now with Trump coming on, there's a pretty significant upset and confusion about what is required to do a project. Um, the interpretation of the rules changes in a significant way. Uh, most environmental laws have some reasonable and sometimes even unreasonable amount of discretion written into them to allow the agency to use its technical expertise to its best advantage at any given moment. And we sort of lost our compass about how that was applied. Precedent was kind of thrown out the window, um, not entirely out of malice, but out of staff turnover and, um, and new policy initiatives. And that makes it extremely hard for my clients um, as, you know, the regulated community to recalibrate what is expected of them, even if it's, you know, in the minds of some, even for some corporate entities, if it's probably easier, right? Uncertainty is just generally bad for for the economy, right? Even even if it's theoretically going to be uncertainty that might work in your favor, you can't put that on your balance sheet. You don't mm. know what that means, right? So that's really the biggest struggle, and I anticipate similar issues arising under the Trump administration where, you know, we're already into the clean power plan. We're already way into the clean water rule. And to upset that all over again um, has the real potential to increase 
the cost of doing business, even for the very industries that probably, you know, taken objectively would be perfectly happy if those regulations didn't exist. So they kind of don't know what's good for them. Yeah, well, they don't they don't know what's next. I mean, you just need even if it's bad news, sometimes it's better just to know. Right, right. So that you can proceed with your project. I mean, I have. And when you're no, go ahead, go ahead, Kat. I mean, when you're in a position where, just to take the clean water rule as an example, you know that that rule was published in June of 2015, but the discussion had been going on forever, and you know the executive order asked um, asked them to go back to. Rapinos, which was a 2006 Supreme Court case that was decided on a plurality, and implement the Scalia interpretation of what the term navigable waters means. That's Scalia. We're, we're going back to that's not even considered prevailing law. So the plurality um, ended up in pretty much everybody going to a different test about what water, there had to be a significant nexus to federal waters. Oh, jeez. And, and the regulations, so, so not this, this... so lawyerly. What sorry. the definition... No, no, not you. Just like the fight. What is the definition of nav- navigable waters and that everything hinges on that? So crazy. Right? That's what you're yeah, saying, so right? All, exactly. It all hinges on that and the various interpretations throughout the years are different. But we have a regulation. Right, it's been issued, and it's it was intended. Interestingly, I find this interesting. Probably nobody in the whole world agrees with me, but the Clean Water Rule was was intended to increase predictability, and it's actually hmm. has been perceived by many environmental lawyers as um, less onerous than the previous interpretation. No, that's weird. Because because as you know, right, there there's not a lot of vague language in there. There's some, certainly, but you know what's what, whereas the previous interpretation was a little more vague and gave the EPA more discretion. So, you know, the question sort of becomes, all right, let's just say they can go through this whole process of rolling back the clean water rule, which takes a lot of process. Well, what are you what are you left with? Well, I, I would imagine that that's a, it for them, right? For somebody who would want to roll that back and allow for, you know, states to decide pollution and stuff like that. If there's if there's vague language in the plurality ruling that's everything is hinging upon, then you sort of work that gray zone to your advantage, right? That I guess so, but gray zones always result in litigation. Um, and interestingly, that he's so opposed to this, this is another interesting fact about Pruitt. Now I'm going to help me with my geography, somebody. What, what's the abutting um, state? Is, is Oklahoma abut Arizona? What is um, Arkansas an A? I have no That's idea. embarrassing. But anyway, there's an abutting state. <laughs> and when Utah. he became... No, you, when he became... Utah. Utah? It's next to Utah? Arizona and Utah touch. Okay, there you go. Um, when he became AG, he, he had an issue with an abutting state, um, flowing 
dirty water into Oklahoma. Ah. Right. And he, they ended up negotiating between the two states. But at the time, he mentioned that he really appreciated knowing that there was a federal backstop. Hmm. Um, but still, he's fought all of these interstate rules, the cross-state air pollution rule, the clean water rule, methane emission regulations. He's four suits to block the clean power plan. You know, so he's clearly experienced what it's like to be on the receiving end of the crud which would lead some of us to believe that maybe the state isn't the one who should is the ones who should individually decide what they can and cannot do inside their state because it does impact other states. Um, but that's not the direction he's going in. Right, right. So you like him or you love him? I don't. I'm not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't no, need I, to comment. <laughs> So okay, one 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 last thing I want I wanted to uh, just sort of raise is that okay, the big thing is that you probably hear this all the time is that um, people don't really talk about this and don't care about it. I, I'm just thinking of uh, the the furor that was around the Betsy DeVos um, candidacy uh, for her cabinet position and basically the whimper that came with. Uh, with Pruitt, um, and that might be a function of, of the media not amplifying. Um, I know a lot of environmental groups are really, really against him, um, and they're you know maybe they weren't being represented well in the press and so on. But uh, be that as it may, I think it's a sort of general thing, right? And so one big argument I, I have I actually have this argument with kids in school because I've got some kids in school who don't believe in climate change, um, and that's coming you know coming from the parents or whatever. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, what strategies you can, one could sort of, you know, levy to, to convince people that it's a real thing and that it's important. And the only thing that I can actually think of is to, to look at what insurance companies are doing, <laughs> right? That, that's my only sort of argument is like, okay, insurance companies, they think climate change is a real thing and they're sort of covering for it, right? So if they are putting their money down, they're not doing it out of some sort of fantasy um, that, you know, it's not going to happen, you know? So um, I don't know, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, certainly the redesignation of flood zones that influence flood insurance is is a big indicator. You know, but at some point when people are faced with overwhelming amounts of scientific data and, you know, the EPA has made an endangerment finding that greenhouse gas emissions are are endangering the the health of, of humans and the environment, if people are unwilling to accept that, there's really not a lot you can do to convince them because clearly they're entrenched in a different mindset. And, you know, there's, there's some studies, psychological studies, and, uh, that suggest that people actually become more entrenched in an oppositional mindset the more data you throw at them. Right, right. I've seen that. Yeah. And, you know... At some point, we're going to have to just fix this stuff in spite of those people. And what it, what would be most helpful, I think, is to demonstrate ways 
to, um, it's going to sound very crass and I apologize, but to make money off of it. Yeah. Right. Right. To show that there is, there is, there are economically viable actions that may in fact be preferable to destructive actions that come out of, uh, acknowledging and working to combat climate change. I mean, I can't think of a better use for young, creative, unjaded minds than figuring out how to combat the effects of climate change in a world that's, you know, or from a perspective that's not so morally driven, right? There's a little bit in our regulations and in our culture of a sense that, you know, we caused this problem by driving, so we need to solve it by not driving anymore. Well, that's not going to happen. And we generationally seem incapable of breaking out of that. Let's just stop the thing that we're doing that's causing it and solving the problem in an objective way. And I feel like that's our young people need to do that. And if they can be inspired to do that and see that there are interesting jobs associated with it and um, come to appreciate the economic value of acting in concert with overwhelming scientific data, that would be a big win. Wow. But there are some people who just don't want to engage. Right. And I'm not sure what you do with those people. Go ahead, young people. Go make money off of this. I love that we're so old now. We're like, hey, you young kids, <laughs> listen in. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, that's we're checked you know, out. My 14-year-old my said to me the other night, because I was angrily expounding upon something or other, um, I was, oh, I was telling him I couldn't read certain things in the news at that particular moment because I'd had a long day and I didn't want to be angry anymore. <laughs> and he said, oh, I, I don't mind. It doesn't make me angry because it's not my problem. Right. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, actually, I'm angry because it is your problem. Right. You have to fix this. <laughs> Put him on the phone, and, not, and we'll mommy's getting straight. some wine now. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I don't. I don't even mean in sort of a. I'm begging him to fix this. I mean, if he, if he wants to exist on this planet, right? Well, that these folks have got to come up with it. And unfortunately, humans are very crisis oriented. Yeah, we we need an actual immediate crisis. We do not take long term weather patterns into account no and you know there's a uh, there's an amazing simpsons episode where homer is talking about global warming and it's snowing <laughs> and he's going off on you know global warming global it's freezing out there what do you mean global warming um and people do that every time we have a winter people say well it's cold i believe you're describing uh james inhoff in the senate <laughs> who threw a snowball <laughs> snowball on the ground be like what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> global warming yeah well, i mean it's, it's yeah. such a strange human uh human nature driven thing and somebody's got to figure out what the leverage is right we, it doesn't make any sense to manufacture a crisis in order for humans to respond but we will not respond as a as sort of a cohesive group Unless we are facing an imminent threat to our health and safety, 
not to our grandkids' health and safety, not something we can kick down the road, right. not something we can make a buck on today and maybe pay the price tomorrow, but I'd rather have a dollar today, you know, and everything in the future is hypothetical. That's not going to cut it. People are not going to act. So finding ways to make sure that this is in the economic interest, the immediate economic interest of the key players is really the only path forward. And I don't have, I don't have that golden ticket. Well, we don't either. So on that note, you're all fucked. <laughs> Enjoy the weather before you die. <laughs> Kat, we are out of time, but thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us and depressing us further. You're welcome. It was so good to hear both of your voices. And listen, I will try my best to not throw banana peels out the window. After everything we just talked about, I know the, that's the thing. The I'm just not going to eat bananas anymore, so it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> they're owl killers. <laughs> Thank you, Cat. Thanks, Cat. Right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Great stuff. Now the whole uh, world knows we're litterers. Yeah. I, listen, listen. I th- I think it's that we get a generational pass. I agree. I agree. They this this even. Listen, this even got uh, representation in in Anchorman. You ever see Anchorman? Of course. Right? Remember when they're walking through the park yeah. and they're eating food? Yeah. And they all just throw their trash <laughs> in the middle of the park. <laughs> That's what you did back then. Uh, the good old days. <laughs> Make America great again. That's throw right. your shit out the window. Right. Who cares? Exactly. All right, man. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next week, we'll be back. Yes, we will. We took a week off, but that's okay. We, yeah, but we, we look do that good. sometimes. We look good right now. We do. We, we're, we do. Hey, it's just, all, just it's because we rock doesn't yeah. mean we're made of stone, dude. Sometimes we need that's a break, right. too. Face right. is made for radio. All right. <laughs> this is Noah Politics at the Dinner Table, produced by our boy Jeep Baderoy. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Good luck. Enjoy the weather. You're all fucked. See you next week. <laughs>